Hi everyone and welcome back to my podcast, Recovery From It All. My name is Faye and I am the host of this podcast and I am welcoming you here today and we are going to talk about my story leading up to and involving children's services right up to court. Now, some people might find this very upsetting. Some people might become angry and might become very defensive to children's services. Um, yes, things weren't perfect, granted, and this is 100% the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth that I will be telling today. Right, so let's begin. Now, I am a mother to three beautiful children. I have my daughter, she is 12 years old, absolutely beautiful, blonde hair, blue eyes. I have my four-year-old son, Kai, blonde hair, brightest blue eyes I've ever seen, so strong-willed, and... My youngest is two, he, his name is Zach, blonde hair, brown eyes, the only one in the family that hasn't got blue eyes and blonde hair, like the same characteristics as the only one that's different. Um, yes, he's still got the blonde hair, but he's got the brown eyes, which is adorable. Now, I was a mother to my daughter for three and a half years and did an amazing job with her. Now, in that time from her birth, due to the way I had been positioned in the delivery, I suffered a slip disc in my spine, or two in fact, and unfortunately it meant that I wasn't able to function unless I was on like these really strong painkillers from, from a very early age of Chelsea's to be honest. I was going back and forth with doctors and I basically tried my best to function as best I could with nothing or just heat. Um, alternative um, remedies and unfortunately nothing was working. I had been sent in for steroid injections into my spine 
they didn't work. So I was put on to quite quickly um, tramadol, morphine, pregabalin, Celebrex, um, among other things, other problems, but they were for the pain. Now, when I separated from my daughter's father, who had been, unfortunately, a bit abusive throughout the relationship and even abusive towards his mother, and still is to a degree, um, I wanted to go to college and it was, in his opinion, not right to be going to college and leaving my daughter with my grandmother whilst I tried to get an education and better myself. I really did not cope with this. I found it so isolating and controlling and I basically told him stuff you I'm going to college I want to better my life and that in turn will better Chelsea's and I went I gave up the home moved in with my grandmother started my education but it didn't last long he my father decided to put in obstacles whenever possible and I found this very hard, very, very hard. It affected my studies and I fell behind and in the end there was one visit he came to the college and asked me if I was going to give it up this nonsense and I said no and he decided that if he wasn't going to get me to agree in just a conversation he was going to try and use bullying tactics and physical aggression to try and get me back into control under control so he physically attacked me in the college and hit me across the face with a stick covered in glue um chucked a mannequin at me and knocked me off my feet and ran out of the college now just briefly i suffer with me suffering with these condition this slip disc and stuff like that i use a zimmer frame like a four-wheeled walking frame to help me get around and especially when i have to use like take or do shopping and carry lots of stuff around I can't manage without using the frame so he knocked me over and obviously this caused us to be in more pain and I rang my grandmother in panic because I had a 
this gut feeling I knew where he was going so I rang her and she said that he was outside I told her to lock the door before that we got there and he was shouting and screaming let us in I'm gonna kill you he smashed our garden up and everything and he he really did go to town on the garden in that and he was determined he, he wanted to get to my grandmother he blamed her for me my decision to go into education he blamed her for me giving up the, my home that was in Morbeth near him which I now was staying in Newbegin, which is a bit further away, close at the college. And he wasn't happy. Now, obviously, shocked as we were, the police wouldn't do anything, just a warning. And obviously, I ended up leaving college. I'm, I basically haven't been back since for my education at college very sad in that respect so I really did enjoy my education so carrying on though I went and rekindled a relationship with my maternal side of my family my Mother and I had been out of contact since my pregnancy with my daughter and during the relationship with Chelsea's father it was made very clear I wasn't allowed to have a relationship with her and I say now there was good reason he had his reasons behind that but he's 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 re he's how he handled it and him telling me I couldn't, that wasn't right, that's abusive. And he should have left that down to me but gave me all of his reasons and that would have been justifiable because I knew my mother was abusive. I knew my mother was um, financially, emotionally and physically all abusive and very narcissistic in how she behaves and... Because he had controlled me for all that time, having the freedom to be able to get back in touch with her and having my life back under my heart, under my control, I decided to give her another chance and I got back in touch. Now, within such a short period of time, it seemed like children's services became involved and they did a child and family assessment and obviously they had concerns around the relationship with our father and stuff but it had ended and I was allowed to carry on looking after my daughter but there was concerns but I wasn't put on a plan or anything and I do think at that point they should have been offering me help and they didn't, they let me go 
and then when Chelsea turned three and a half years, I had found that when I was missing doses of my medication, I was in withdrawal and I was very poorly, very, very poorly. I didn't realise or the penny didn't drop for quite some time what was wrong. And this carried on for, for months. But, yeah, I, I genuinely didn't know what was wrong. And the feeling like I didn't know where I wanted to lie and hot and sweaty and irritable and vomiting violently. And it was horrific and it would just be as soon as I would, the medication got back into my system and I managed to keep it down I would be all right but I never realized this for quite some time that had been going on for about a year and when my daughter went away on a weekend to our paternal grandfather I would go out drinking and I was 21, 22, wanted to go out and enjoy myself and I would go out drinking and come back, I'd forget my medication and when I, uh, the grandmother was coming back to drop my daughter off, I would be on the set A with a blanket wrapped around us, feeling very ill with a bucket and I'd still get my daughter back and still take good care of her. And obviously this caused her concern. So when the fat penny finally dropped what was wrong, I rang the doctors and told them. Um, Eileen had decided that she would come in and she says, look, I'm taking Chelsea you can get two weeks, try and sort yourself out. And this was just the decoy to get her out the house and get her away from me. She didn't, she'd been wanting that from day one. I had such a close bond with her and she, she wouldn't, I knew from day one she wanted to keep her. She didn't want uh, to come home. She that felt I was too young. And even though I was doing a good job, I was criticised because of my age and my background. Instead of giving us the skills that people felt I was lacking. But I was always very attentive, very caring, very loving. I always put my children's needs for clothes and shoes and toys and everything else above me own as you do as a good man and I decided when I got to let Chelsea go and when she went I told the doctor this is when I told the doctor and they said to me right well you're dependent on this medication so we are going to stop it and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. It was just like 
so I'm going to have to be poorly. And I, I tried to go through this withdrawal, but it was just so intense. And obviously I'd been drinking on weekends and stuff and I, I had become friends with people that were taking other substances and Chelsea being gone at this point and being so unwell and I wasn't coping with being away from my daughter I reverted back mm-hmm. to using substances like I did as a teenager prior to getting with Chelsea's dad and I gave up my four years of sobriety at that point. Completely fell off the wagon. And, and I thought I'd fell far, but not as far as I would this time. And she got in touch with children's services the same day she'd removed her and they got involved and basically I I can remember going to a meeting and I was told right you you've got six months to sort yourself out and everyone's sitting around the table and I remember sitting there thinking okay so I've got six months to sort myself out and I've got to prove it okay And I didn't know how to. Nobody told us. Nobody came to see us and said, right, this is what we need from you. This is what we want you to do. This is what we expect. None of them visited me home. Um, Not one, in fact. Not until I left and ended up moving in with my grandmother. Nobody visited me out in my home. This was in 2012. And without that support and without that guidance, they left me to my own devices and things got worse. And this is what I'm trying to drive home. If you don't help people, how can they get better? How can they learn the skills they feel that this person is lacking to be good parents to the children that they feel it's so necessary to remove? So, I just, I feel it's unfair and they are making rash decisions and that permanent, very cruel, and not on f- very unfair. Now, this went on for three months, and I didn't get the six months I was told I would get, and I got a letter stating that I was being took to court for custody of my daughter to be given to my to her grandmother 
a paternal grandmother. And it made me worse. It made me worse. Just seeing that letter, it made it worse. No social work I was around, I couldn't really get in touch with her. It was impossible to get a hold of her. Left messages, never got responded to very rarely, in fact. And I ended up very, very suicidal, very depressed. And this um, drug and alcohol problem spiralled. And I became a full-blown heroin addict. Now, years went by and three years went by and in this time I'd met my son Kai's father. I'd moved around and been homeless and lots of stuff had happened in that time but my still went to my contact with my daughter and it... To me, at that time, I felt like I deserved nothing more. I didn't feel as though my life was worth changing or trying to change because I knew I wouldn't win my daughter back. So there was no point in my eyes to change if I had nothing to change for. My relationship, we loved each other dearly, but it was a relationship built on addiction. And I had my son. And I fought tooth and nail to be able to keep my son. I was 12 weeks gone when I found out and I'd been using right up to that day. And... This social worker I was given, mind, she was the one I was given during my pregnancy. Well, that was two, in fact. The first one, if I've always said, if she'd had the case all the way through, I would never have got to keep my son. Because she'd made her mind up at the beginning and all she kept saying to us, but what if... Yes, but, but what if you relapse? And I got a different social worker, and this social worker, she was lovely, worked with us, and she'd had much more years' experience working in the field with people with addiction and families and in poverty. And knowing like that, sometimes people are worth take, giving a chance. So basically I did whatever they asked me. I went to a parenting course at a community centre that they didn't ask me to do. On top of that, I did recovery groups if I could. And I attended every appointment, did every sample. Every single 
thing that was asked of me. My week was full. All the way up to having my son. And I never knew whether or not I was getting to keep him. Right the way up to having him. There was never definitively told to me whether or not I would get to keep him or not. Now, doing research and stuff on how a mother's emotions and how they feel can actually impact on a child once they're born. They are, the emotions the mother feels during that that time when the baby's in utero, the unborn baby is basically moulded to the type of environment that they are going to be brought into. If the mother is subjected to a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety, the baby's capacity for that is heightened. And they can become very anxious, be born very anxious. If the baby is born, is in a mother's womb while in the mother is calm, happy, excited, isn't exposed to trauma and anxiety and stress, the baby will be calm, happy and content. Now, I was very anxious, very stressed, very scared, very traumatised at the thought of being separated from him in the hospital. And depending on which social worker I yeah, given, that is very, very possible. I'd only been clean six months and granted it would have been a gamble. Now I was back living with my mum and this was seen as a, a protective factor. So my son was allowed to come home and I did very well. I was thriving uh, but I didn't have to attend any more recovery meetings or anything like that. I did a baby and toddler um, group um, and course and that was it really. Apart from that I was left to get on with it. I did meetings every time every three months or so and it was reviewed every six months I believe. Now after my son turned five months I moved out of my mother's home and I went to live on my own in my own little flat with my son just me and him and I met my youngest son's father on a day nap. I was at the point where my I'd been separated from my 
middle child's father he had he sadly had passed away when my son was 11 weeks old but we've been separated since pregnancy due to social services and I knew that I would have had to separate because he was using drugs and unfortunately it was a wasn't gonna be the right environment for the my son and I knew if I stayed I wouldn't get to keep him. So I made some very tough choices. But I got to a stage where I felt I was I was ready. I was ready to have that connection with someone. I wanted that connection. I wanted to find someone. So I decided to move on and try and find someone. But being a single mom and not getting to meet anyone because I was always at home. The only thing, and I'd heard a few people saying, well, I met such and such on Badoo and I love that. We're very happy. So <laughs> I went on to a dating app. And... In some ways, it's the bloody biggest mistake I made. But in others, without that mistake happening, I wouldn't have my son, my youngest. So, whichever way you want to look at it, it, it's a mistake and I've learned from it, yes. But I've also got my son, so I don't say it is the biggest mistake. That, that. So... I I was devastated when I found out was I was pregnant. He had told me he'd had the snip. I was very very shocked and very scared and didn't know who the dad was at the time because there was at that point there was a gap and then I'd moved on and I thought well have I not found out I was pregnant like till a bit later um and turns out it was the one that had said he had had the snip and that was and still is very hard for me to accept that someone could do that to me that someone could be so blatant to me face I even met his daughters I was invited round to his home without my obviously I went there without my son I'd stay there on a weekend and go back on time if I might get my son back on the Saturday or Sunday and then I was, like, we sort of drifted apart and we never really saw each other again. Um, I moved homes and then I got in touch again one morning. And he got a taxi through to see me. And one thing led to another and that was when my youngest was conceived and that was, like I say, that's very hard to accept that someone could just use you like that and then discard you like you were nothing. But I found that that's basically what a lot of people, from what I've 
later found out do with these dating apps it's like find someone so that you can take advantage of them and then discard them like they were nothing so I decided to keep my son and let it go I went through the pregnancy alone and it did occasionally try and keep him involved and updated on what was going on but he he had no interest now i was contacted for money off him and i thought well if i give him this money lend him it and get him out of this trouble because he told me he was going to end up putting the river time because he owed money for coke and I didn't realise that he was doing drugs or anything like that. And I thought, wow, what, what's... And I thought, well, if I give him help, maybe he'd be there for me if I needed him. Not that I wanted him to be with him or leave me some with him or anything like that. Let him have him overnight or anything like that. I didn't mean, like, thinking anything like that. But I thought maybe it would open up the doorway for his family to be able to find out about his son and it didn't I gave him the money and he basically cut me out I had the thought that my son still social services were involved and they were quite happy I was doing very well I hadn't used in, at this point, I believe in three, two and a half, three years at this point. And two and a half years it would have been, yeah. And I was doing so well, I was so proud of myself. And I, how just before I had him, I had done a, a toxicology test and they come back saying I, I used and I genuinely hadn't but there was people that were coming to see me my brother and his girlfriend and even this new person that I was having a non, no strings attached relationship with and basically we they were they were doing stuff and I don't know if they've done something deliberately to me because of jealousy in my bro brother and his partner's case because they'd had their children removed and I still had mine and I was getting to keep me up, me up my baby as well and I had was a previously a heroin addict and they had been on drugs but not heroin and heroin's far worse and how could I get to keep mine that kind of stigma was going on in this situation so yeah it was there was possibilities of why I would have shown up as positive for cocaine and I was devastated thinking how could someone do that when I'm pregnant, how could they put my, my child at risk like that? Because I certainly didn't. I've, I've got such a, a thing against 
knowingly using drugs when you're pregnant. It's one thing when you don't know, but actually knowingly doing it, it's not the child's choice to use drugs. But I understand there will be people that have got addictions and they've been that bad that when they've been pregnant, they just haven't been able to fight that urge and stop. And that's how babies are born rattling. Um, now, my, I nearly got my son took off us because of that. But I went straight through and done a sample and it came back clean. I seen the substance misuse midwife that same day and I was like, right, I've just like dropped everything, come straight through on a bus. I'm doing a sample now, you're going to see us. And she gave us possibilities as to why I could have been positive. And it was like, wow, seriously, these different possibilities. So I repeated those reasons to the social services. And at the time, these reasons were accepted. Everybody agreed and understood and believed that I was telling the truth because they could see just how sincere I was at the time. Because I literally was so determined to try and prove my innocence. I was even demanding to do hair strands or anything to try and find out how the quantity or whatever. Um... And when I went to the hospital, my son was born and they'd done samples on me. And I didn't realise they'd done a sample on us, to be fair. But apparently they had and it had come back positive for um, ecstasy. And I, I, I just, they were asking us, have you used? And I was like, no. And they just kept saying have you are you sure you haven't are you sure you haven't done this or that and I was like no I haven't and it was later revealed to me that basically what had happened is that this sample was positive and the social worker was sending out the safeguarding to remove my son from the hospital and my my cape worker from the recovery centre turned around and said there's no way she would have went all that time right the way through to now and not done anything it's not possible she just wouldn't have done it she wouldn't have done samples willingly knowing they'd come back positive she went straight into the hospital, done samples. The next day, doing samples with me that were clean, supervised, supervised with the hospital. They're, they're apparently, like, it, it just didn't add up. Like, I was literally hospital, NRP, hospital, NRP, and it was like positive, negative, positive, negative. It, it just didn't, and literally within the space of a couple of days, like, a day, the next day, a couple of days, and two days later again. It was within the space of a week. It just didn't make sense. But 
there was they were literally going to remove my son without double checking this sample and thankfully that's been changed now this nrp in Ashik, the ones back well northumberland area is now getting it that if someone's pos samples come back positive they've got to double check everything before they then get everybody involved to start removing children and everything like that because I was going to essentially lose my kids because I something I hadn't even done. And that's just wrong. They should be asking people questions and getting to the bottom of it all and really, like, observing how they are when they're answering, like, other, do they, are they touch, having the signs of lying or not? There's so much more to it than just getting a sample and it being positive. There's like human error. There's, you could have been like, your sample could have been tampered with. You could have been spiked at any point unknowingly. Like, it was it was never revealed to me at the time, and but it has been during the court case with Children's Services this time that basically at the time my sample had given was showing that the cocaine I was shown positive for had been orally consumed. Now, I've used drugs for years, on and off, when I haven't had the children. And basically, I know you smoke coke, you smoke crack, you sniff cocaine, you inject cocaine. I don't know anybody that puts it down their throat. I don't. I don't know anybody that does that. I don't know how it's been orally consumed, but it was a why. But I never at any point felt like I'd had cocaine. So, yeah, it was pretty rough to say the least and I just think you definitely need to be more careful because these decisions that they're going to make in the heat at the moment are life-changing to separate a child from their mother especially especially newborn as well how traumatizing that is for a mother and how traumatizing that is for the child too and even at any age in fact now i don't want to run this episode too long so i am going to continue this in the next episode what happened from the birth of my youngest child onwards because children's services did actually leave my life for a period of time and unfortunately became re back and re-involved and unfortunately I no longer have custody of my children so I would like to in the next episode discuss that I will be honest about how I was with my children, my temperament, my routine, the boundaries, everything.
So, I will be holding my hands up to some wrongs I've done, but also giving you a very vivid image of was I really that bad or not? And did children's services do enough or not? So, I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Recovery From It All. Let's see you next time. Bye.